was last week with a series titled Vessels. Um, and we'll be continuing with that. The theme uh, obviously being the earthen vessels, the, the gospel being the excellence which sustains us. Um, again, in a little bit of recap, 2 Corinthians is a lot about suffering and God taking us through and comfort and suffering and, and, and going through different uh, seasons and trials and, and seeing him be faithful in the midst of it all, but going through some real stuff. And, and again, this is the book that tells us the most about Paul's life. It is a follow-up to first Corinthians, obviously, which we spent, you know, good half a year going through. Um, this is part two um, and in between, there was a visit that Paul had with them, this, this painful visit <laughs> where he came in and, and it didn't go super well. He had to confront and he had to like lay down the law and, and there were some major issues. As you know, going through first Corinthians, we saw many of those issues and he came in and, and had to, to speak to those things. And, and then there was a second letter that he wrote that was delivered by Titus that was real gnarly and, and kind of like ruffled up some feathers. And, and so he hadn't been back since he hadn't made his way back, uh, since. And so here he is, he's coming in at this point to, uh, uh, deliver another letter and this one, one of encouragement. And so we're going to get more of kind of the background of what's going on at this point. Um, as we go through the next couple of chapters, and you're going to get to see why everything happened, how it happened. And there's of course, even some drama in that because Corinth is drama, just like us, right? They like love drama and they're kind of crazy. And so not us collectively, just people in any way, not our, yes, ours, everyone got it. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time this morning and pray you'd speak to us by your Holy spirit that you would, um, guide us, direct us, uh, give us ears to hear eyes to see. God, that you convict our hearts where they need to be convicted, that you'd encourage our hearts and uh, where they need to be encouraged. You'd strengthen our mind and and, um, that we would just be able to offer ourselves to you to to be pliable, usable, and we'd be able to hear from you this morning. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. And um, pray that you would just do that. You'd speak and and we'd be receptive. And so, God, we pray for... um, yeah, just that you cover all of this, all everything going on here, each person that you'd minister wherever they're at. Um, we are coming in with everybody's got different things going on, different struggles, different um, challenges in life. Uh, and But yet, God, you meet with us individually in, in a personalized, intimate way. So we pray you do that this morning and that you'd speak to us. Uh, uh, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 12. Last week, Paul was kind of talking about comfort in the midst of suffering, of going through things, and how we being comforted by God, it, it helps us to understand how to be a comfort to others. When we learn to be comforted in different seasons, it helps us to comfort others as they're going through those seasons. So the hard seasons in life are not wasted. They are actually like useful, like God uses them as, as really good and powerful um, tools in our hands to, to be able to minister and to be able to reach out. And, and so nothing's wasted. That's basically uh, the idea. And, and 
our God of comfort is here to comfort us. And so verse 12, he kind of starts getting into um, already addressing some issues in Corinth and some issues that they kind of had with him. And he's kind of defending himself as we see a lot with Corinth because they liked to stir it up and, and kind of swing the story their way so they didn't have to deal with things like they should. Verse 12, here we go. For our boasting is this. The testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. This is what Paul is boasting in, right? We all have things we like would boast in and things that we are proud of. And, you know, that's something, you know, I'm, I'm proud of. That's something I, this is what Paul says. This is what I'm willing to boast in. That we have been straight up with you guys. We've been extremely honest with you. We've, we've not been fake. We've not been phony. This is our, the testimony of our conscience is that we really did live out the things that we said. We weren't just pretending. We weren't saying, do as I say, not as I do. Like, we are what we say we are. And, and I like how it says, like, with simplicity and godly sincerity. The idea of simplicity is, it's just, it is what it is, right? A life that's, that's um, full of confusion is full of complexion, in a sense, right? Like, you're, you're, everything is really difficult and hard to understand. You wouldn't understand. But there's something about simply being who you say you are and being who you're supposed to be. We're living in this, with this simplicity, without fleshly corrupted wisdom, uh, but by the grace of God. Well, the reason Paul's starting with this is because there was a lot of corruption in Corinth. This was deeply ingrained into their culture. And so there were obviously people that would come up and even those in the name of the Lord would come in and they would manipulate people for their own gain. Paul's saying, we're not those people. We're not that we are coming to you with the straight up truth. And you should know this, right? You guys should know that I'm not here like collecting like, you know, all the money and bringing it to myself. And I'm not, I didn't come before you and, and say, give me my giant palace and I'll sit up here and, you know, cast down. No, I lived among you. I was making tents. I was, I'm like a real person. You know, this, you've seen the sufferings. You've seen what I've gone through. Like my hands are dirty and calloused and I, I get it. He's saying, like, we conducted ourselves in in simplicity and godly sincerity. Sincerity, meaning we were sincere. The things we said we meant, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. We were, it was all about grace. And really, it needed to be about grace for you guys. Because you guys were a mess, right? Corinth was like, crazy mess. He's like, it has been all about grace. This ministry has been about grace. Even though I've come to you guys and been really straight up with you, that's because of the grace of God, not grace to continue in sin, but grace to show you there's a way out of it. And that's the good news in and of itself, right? Is that we aren't stuck in this sin. Because sometimes we think, well, good grace means I can get away with sin. No sin is the punishment. Right? Like that sin is separation from God. It is missing the mark. It is missing out on the, what we were created for, which was intimate relationship. That's, we see that in Eden, right? Like the Garden of Eden, sin comes in, big old wedge. Immediately between God and man. 
And Adam and Eve are like fumbling together, trying to put clothes together, not knowing what clothes are, you know. <laughs> Better put it together real quick, you know. He's coming. Who told you you were even naked at? <sighs> I don't know, man. You know, I just knew, you know, there was a wedge. It was drawn. It was, it was, it was, the line had been drawn. The wedge had been driven in separation. And so the grace of God is that we don't have to continue in that life. Sometimes we go, I I don't want to hear about sin. You know, just tell me all about, but it's grace to be free from sin. How many of us know what it feels like to be completely trapped in sin? All of us, right? At some point. Or another, you've probably been at that place where sin was controlling at least some part of your life and you felt like you couldn't get out and you're a slave to it, right? Then God comes in and says, you are not a slave, but a son. You're, you're a slave and you're a son. You can follow me. Sin doesn't have rule and dominion over you anymore. And you've watched those things go and be, they're gone. And that you've tasted freedom for the first time. You're like, oh, I thought, you know, being a Christian, I would just miss out on all these different things. And you find out that you're, you were missing out the whole time living in the world. You missed out on what you were re- literally created for. So although you might not be able to use it the way that you wanted to use it, it's best if you, you know, you get to use the right thing, the right place. I remember as a kid, we would... Uh, have these family reunions and, and, um, we always had like a softball game. It was up in like central California and we would have a softball game where everybody would come out and all the cousins. And I love baseball. I was all about baseball as you, you know, you might not know that about me. Um, but so w- I love the idea of playing a 12 year old me love the idea of playing in a softball game with like uncles who don't know how to play and all kinds of, you know, people, I've been like into it, right? This is my thing. And I remember, uh, we would play with a softball, but I brought my baseball bat thinking this is what's up. I'm bringing my bat, my baseball bat. Cause all these suckers are going to be using softball bats, but baseball is way better than softball. So I'm bringing my bat. It's got a bigger barrel. Everything's better on it. It's going to be, I'm going to be good to go. And I remember getting up to bat and hitting it, hitting the ball. And it felt just dead. It didn't go anywhere. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? This is a baseball bat. And, and then I use a softball bat. And the ball went much, much farther. Some of the guys on our team, we've had to learn this, right? Like the, that actually keeps people showing up. I got the baseball bat. You're like, listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you something I learned a long time ago, okay? A baseball bat is for baseball. Softball bats for softball. It's not because, soft, like, let's make softball like, make a like, weaker bat, you know? No, it's made for that exact size ball, that exact size, the weight, the, the kind of ball, all of those things. It's what it was made for. So you're always going to be frustrated trying to, you know, use the thing it was not created for. Especially when you're like, no, I swear this one's better. Just face the facts. That's not what it, it was made for. Great for baseball. By the way, you can mess up your baseball bat by hitting softballs with it. That's like a whole nother thing, right? Where you could take something good and when you're using it for the wrong thing, it ends up messing anyway. It's a whole like we could next week the message will be on baseball bats being used for softball. No, but the idea is it's not what it was created for. And, and in your mind, you might think, oh, no, this does this totally makes sense. It's not what it was created for. Who better knows what you're created for than the creator, right? So he's. Laying it all out. But Paul's saying, I'm coming to you guys real straight. I'm being very real with you. 
I'm not, I'm not fake at all in the slightest bit. Everything I'm, I'm saying to you, I, I, I'll say it. Bef- and, and he gets like pretty like, like he really wants them to know I'm dead serious about this. Um, and, and he's going to be working through there's these rumors that Paul wasn't who he said he was because he hadn't come back after he went to Macedonia. They had like made this whole plot about him. Paul isn't, he said he was coming back and he didn't come back. You tell me if that's a man of his own, of his word, you know, why should we listen to him about anything? By the way, we do this with everything, right? You find one little loophole, and, and figure out one little issue with someone and go, well, see, why? that's why. And now everything I think is justified. Now everything that I, I want to believe is justified. We don't even need to listen to Paul. We can't even trust him. He said he was coming back. He didn't come back. Well, Paul's going to address that. Because you can't say something about Paul without him saying something back. He's going to address it. So here you go. Um, verse 13. For we are not writing any other things uh, to you than what you read or understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end. Also, you have understood us in part that we should uh, that we are your boast, as also are as also are ours. And in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul saying, "There's no mixed words. There's no manipulation. Take it for what it is at face value." I'm not trying to twist anything up. I'm not trying to butter you up. I'm not trying to... We live in a world like that is full of this, right? And it's easy to become insanely cynical because of the world we live in, right? And I, you know, really, like, the political landscape is like a whole thing, right? Like, we promised you'll never pay taxes. And everyone's going to get a house. And you're like, oh... Can you do that? No. You know, elect me though. Anyway, you know, everybody, it's like, you, I find it hard to believe anyone about anything. And I, and I, I live like that. I kind of have that mindset where I'm like, yeah, it's too good to be true. Uh, what's the angle? What's going on? These guys giving away a surfboard at, at the beach. We were, we were there, right? Kellen and Allie were there. And these guys are giving away the surfboard. They're like, hey, does kids want a surfboard? And I, apparently my cynicism has rubbed off on my son because he's like no i don't think so shoot and i and i said to kelly i was like was it are we on a youtube video is this thing gonna blow up or something like people don't give things away to people like that doesn't happen right like what is it is there arsenic on it or something like what is what what did they do and you're like oh you're kind of nuts but you know this is the world we live in where you're like what what is that why are you being nice what did you do you hit my car you know, like what happened, you know, why, why are you, why are you doing this for me? But Paul's like saying like, take it for what it is. I know there's people around you who've been super manipulative and, and are always, they, they say something, but it doesn't really mean that thing. And, and there's actually a little bit of a deep meaning and, and there's a whole art and science to destroying people by saying nice things in manipulative ways, isn't there? But we, I, I think, I was thinking what was really cool about this is if we can take things at face value, it'll actually save a lot of headaches and it will actually force people to say what they really think. Right. You ever thought about that? Like when you actually, if someone's trying to be like, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. That's fine. Or like, okay, cool. <laughs> that's fine. And they're like, well, was it really fine? Oh, well you said it was. So what did you mean by that? You know, uh, or, you know, like, or say, I really like your, thank you. I really like my hair. Thank you. That's nice. 
I don't know if you're sarcastic, but that's okay. I'm just going to take it. Because we can get so into like reading things to an extent that is so crazy ungodly. It, it's always, I think it makes most sense when someone's reading into something you said and you're like, oh, what? <laughs> I just said that. Actually, matter of fact, I don't even remember saying that. And there definitely wasn't some deep plot behind it. And like, oh, when, when you said that, I thought you meant, you thought I meant what? Like, no, that was like flippant. Like, I know it really was about the ice cream. You know, like it, it wasn't about anything else. Like there wasn't some deep, and we can save ourselves a lot of headaches if we actually can give each other the benefit of the doubt. And eventually people are either going to have to learn to say the truth or let it go. But we live in this weird spot where everybody's kind of like catty and, you know, not everybody, but. It's a, it's a thing we deal with in our culture, right? And it's kind of like manipulative in that way. And so it was going on in Corinth. And so Paul says, the words that I'm, basically the words that I said to you, that, that's the words I meant. Like everything you see here, that's exactly what I meant by that. I'm very literal with you here. Like, <laughs> what kind of person says exactly what they mean? What kind of weird mind game is that, Right? know if you know okay but if it's like if someone's telling you something straight up you're going like well that's weird to be honest you know that's that's very forthright of you to say it like that you should have you know said it in a manipulative kind of way um and that way i would have known better no to be honest to be real and and really what that tells us is the way we talk should be like that i think a lot of times we look at culture and we look at the way things are and, and we're like, well, it's just part of the culture. This is the way we are. But you sometimes forget that you're, you're one of the ones in the culture that can make a difference. And there's something about being around real people that makes people want to be real. There's something about being around honest people that makes people want to be honest. There's something about people who know God being like, helps people say, I want to know God because it's genuine. It's real. It's, we had this conversation with my kids yesterday. Like, don't worry about other people. You be you, who God has made you to be. If you're, if you're trying to be like someone else, you're always going to be a step behind. You be like you. Like, follow God, love God, and be who he's made you to be. And then you can be all out, all of that. You know, and that's, and then you'll never be behind because you're not looking at someone like, is this cool? Is this cool? Is this cool? I decided this is cool. Let's go. Let's do it. Anyway, so. Verse 15, and in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit. So he had planned to go, he went to Macedonia first because he was planning to come back from Macedonia and, and meet them. But he actually went there first and had that first meeting that was rough, goes to Macedonia, doesn't decide to come back. Right. And, and we're going to kind of see why in a second. He was like, I was hoping to come back to you that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia, to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea because they were trying to also raise money for um, the believers in Judea. So he, he's like, I really did intend to come to see you. But it was, it, he didn't go and they made a big deal about it. Again, the little thing like, oh, see, Paul said he was going to come and he didn't come. He doesn't even care about us. So now we can discredit all the things he said to us, which is a lot easier than having to deal with our sin, than having to deal with the problems in our life. Oh, because you messed up on this one little part, I don't have to listen to anything you said. Tell me that doesn't happen. That definitely happens, right? 
oh, well, I, I believed you till I found out that you were not perfect, and now I'll never listen to you again. It doesn't make any sense. But Paul's like, I intended to see you guys. But we're going to see next week, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he says, this is what Paul said about coming to see them again. But I determined this within myself, that I would not come again to you in sorrow. Like, I, if I were to come to you again, it wouldn't have been a good thing. And so I was persuaded not to come to you again. Verse 17, therefore, I, when I was planning this, uh, did I do it lightly? Or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? With, with me, there should be yes, yes, and no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. He's saying, I didn't take it lightly. My integrity was, it, it was, I was being honest and serious. I was planning on coming to see you. But as we see in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, sometimes our plans aren't God's plans. And, and as Pastor Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel said, blessed are the flexible, right? For they'll not be broken. Because there's, there comes a point where we have to find out, you know what, sometimes God does things a little different than we thought he would. And we might have intentions to do certain things, but, and you might even get there, but it's going to be in a different way than you thought. It's going to be in a roundabout kind of, you know, figure it out sort of way. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 16. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we uh, shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. James gets it. (laughs) You can say you want to do something, but it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Like, because God changes. Remember Paul as we're looking through Acts, he's like, I was planning on going here and the Holy Spirit didn't let me. I really wanted to, but he didn't let me. And then I tried to go over here and also didn't work. And so I went over here. There's like this fluidity and, and that's something about, we can speak to that in our life, right? You think, okay, God sent me over here for this specific thing and, and this all makes sense and I, I could see how this is going to turn into this and, and then this is my plan. That's what it's going to be. And then you get in and you're like, oh, so this is all very different. What's, what do we do with this? This all looks very um, foreign to me and, and the way I thought it was going to build, is it was not actually that way and the people I thought were going to build with me, they're not here. Who are they? Where are they? And the path is a little less clear now. What do I do with this? Well, then you say, okay, well, God, what did you want me to do while I'm here? You could either do that or you could say, um, you messed up, God. This wasn't part of the plan. I came based on the idea that we were going to end up going over there. And it was all going to be like this and all lined up. Oh, my goodness. Come on. Is that how it works? Absolutely not, right? We're going to have our baby and everything's going to be perfect. They're going to be sleep trained at three days old. And we'll be getting 10 hours every night, you know. We're not going to let this baby change our life at all. Everything's going to be good. And and the baby comes out and they scream for three months straight. How can this be? You know, like, how on earth do you have the energy to do this? I don't know. But it's like, game plan shift. Maybe you need to change the way you see things, and there's something in that. 
And, it, you know, it, it kind of gets like, we, we kind of, I don't know, mockingly say when people are like, hey, let's, I'll meet you at In-N-Out if the Lord wills. You're like, it's like kind of a lot to do that every single time. You, you know, yeah, I'll meet you at In-N-Out. You know, we don't, maybe we don't have to say it every time. But, but to forget about the fact that you're not really in control, you know, man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. Can be a diff- there might be something that changes. Now, that's one thing for it to change for you, but what about what that change means for the people around you? They also have to experience that, right? And they go, why, why did you change? You said you were coming, and you didn't come, Paul. And he's like, look, this is like my life. Like, I think I'm going to do something, and then that thing doesn't happen. You think that Paul had a close relationship with, with God, like he was speaking to him and, and hearing him? I think absolutely. So if there's time in Paul's life where he's not exactly right on how it's going to go, maybe we're going to experience the same thing. Maybe that's an encouraging word to someone who's like in limbo right now. Like, so the plan was X, Y, and I'm like X, Y, and Z, and I'm dealing with numbers. You know, this is a totally different plan. Like, I, I thought I was over here and I'm over here, you know, and I'm so confused by this. This is okay. This is not bad. God has not made a mistake. There's a reason behind all of this. And I think Paul actually could see th- into this reason. Because I think he knew he was a little hot with the Corinthians. Like he loved them. But he's like, just give me a minute. Parents know what I'm talking about. Right? You're like, oh, give me a minute. No, 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 no. Oh, no, you trust me. You need a minute. And I need a minute. Right? So I can come back and speak clearly to you about what's going on. Okay, fine. So be it. So all such boasting is evil. We, we, we got to understand, like, we hold on to our life with an open hand. What do you want me to do, God? To say, like, I'm going to be here for this many years, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. You don't know those things. Because how many of you, looking back 20 years, saw it exactly like it is today? Oh, yeah, I knew it was going to be just like this. No idea, right? No clue. But it's probably, in a lot of ways, better than you ever thought it would be. Much harder, right? Everybody always says, well, it definitely was harder. But easy wasn't promised. Hard is what builds character. Hard is what God does in us to make us know him better. Build into us something that we can give to others. So we, we, as we're being ministered to, we're ministering to others. And, and the way of suffering is the way of Jesus Verse 19, for the son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us, by me, uh, Silvanus and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him was yes. What's really cool here is, is Paul saying like, Jesus was faithful. So I need to be faithful like him. Like, so when he said he was going to do it, he was going to do it. Like he was being faithful in that sense. This is not an, a, a not being faithful thing. This is a staying flexible to God's plan. So Paul's saying, like, I didn't make a mistake by not coming back to you. It's just not what I was supposed to do at this time. And then verse 20, a great verse. Underline it, highlight it, whatever. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. You want to know yes, and you want to know Amen. It's the promises of God stand true. Meditate on this. Things in this life are shifting. 
People shifting. People you're really close to. Maybe you, have you ever had like a friend fall away? Like not be your friend anymore? That's like so hard. You're like, I never thought I wouldn't be your friend. Like this doesn't make any sense. How did this happen? You know, this happens in this world. Things change. Even spouses can change on you and go crazy. You know, this stuff happens. It's real. But we can trust in the promises of God. This is where we can trust in the promises of God are yes and in him. Amen. Spurgeon, a great quote on this. And it kind of like ties in with the beginning of the chapter, which is we've been comforted so that we can comfort people around us. We go through things so we can help people going through things and thus redeem the things that we went through for his good. Spurgeon said, we might never have had this precious verse if Paul had not been so ill-treated by these men of Corinth. They did him great wrong and caused him much sorrow of heart. Yet you see how the evil was overruled by God for good. And through their unsavory gossip and slander, this sweet sentence was pressed out of Paul. We have this verse that we can read and look to when we're in the midst of struggle and strife and the hope to know that the promises of God are good and they stand amongst every other thing in the world. There's the shifting sand all over the place. We can stand on the promises of God. That's so beautiful, right? It's God. It's Paul's giving hope from a place of hope. He's giving comfort from a place of comfort. Let God be true. Every man be a liar. Whatever the world can do, doesn't matter. God is who he said he is. And his promises are real and they are true. And that is where we need to go and find our strength and our sustenance and our hope and all of that, right? Now, uh, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. There's a, there was a threefold ministry of um, salvation and, and, and comfort and forgiveness, right? Of like, we, we were saved. We are saved. We will be saved. We were comforted. We are comforted. We will be, you know, all these things kind of happen in all these different ways. This is, uh, another threefold work of the Holy Spirit and ministering to establish us. When you like to be established, right? You see it on people's doors, you know, whatever family established the year you were married, you know, this is when we were established. This is when this began or a company established this day or, you know, whatever it is, right? This is to be, to say, this is where it all started. This is the foundation. This is where it's, what it's built on. The ministry of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. Anointing us to anoint us. That's to be empowered for ministry. Right? So anointing is, is to be empowered to be able to do the work of the ministry. You say, oh, you know, pastor is anointed the way he speaks. That's because he's been empowered by God to speak in a way that ministers to people. Right? What are the gifts for? What does the Holy Spirit do? It's to glorify Jesus and show us Jesus and to edify the gifts of the spirit, the body, right? To pull up and encourage and empower and use, use to 
to minister to the body. Sealed us, and the idea of being sealed is identified, right? But you do a, they would do a seal and be wax, and you know they'd put their like seal on it, saying, "This is for me. This is identified as as boom, signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours." You know, um, not exactly. All right. But seal, to seal it is to be identified. So our identity is found in him. These are, these are big things, by the way. He's empowered us for ministry. He's shown us what our identity is. So that as the world is aimlessly searching for some sort of identity, following every trend and whim and, oh man, like a, like a ship without a rudder, just getting tossed around by the sea, you can know who you are. And that's what I was saying to my my children, your identity is in Jesus, and you can stand in that. So as things change and shift, you be who you are. It doesn't matter. And they're like, okay, whatever, Dad. We're like little. It's important for you to know. <laughs> and then giving us his spirit as a guarantee. I liked David Guzik talked about it being like a layaway plan, right? Where you put down a down payment, and you come back, and you pick it up. My acoustic guitar, I remember I did that. Um, I went in, and, and it's a Martin, and, but it was like a pretty good one. And my friend worked at Guitar Center, so he got this crazy deals. And, and so I, I didn't even plan on buying a guitar that day. And I was making like $400 a month or something. <laughs> the guitar was like $600. It was really like 1200 And it was $600, and I was like... I played it and I was like, oh, this thing's insane. And, and I played the one next to it. It sounded terrible. It was like the golden guitar. Like I looked at it and I was just like, you were made for me and I was made for you. And so I went to my friend and I said, I got to get this guitar, but I don't have the money right now. <laughs> and so how do I save this guitar? Like this one, not another one that's the same model this one. And um, by the way, this guitar, it is like that. I mean, I, I had a friend who had like a $3,000 guitar. He's like, I'll trade you. I'm like, no, I like this one. This is mine. You know, it, it has like this deep, anyway. And so I went and he says, you can put it on layaway, put like $200 down. I was like, okay, yeah, that's um, rent and food for two weeks. Yeah, I'll do it. Um, so I put down, and, and meanwhile, I was dating Tori and she's like, are you, are we going to get married at some point? Or are you going to buy guitars constantly? And I mean, at that point it was guitar. Um, and so I, uh, because you know, it was sounded so good, you know? And so I put down the money on the guitar. Um, it was when I still lived in Redlands, was working in Redlands and, um, was super stoked, put it down and then eventually was able to pay it off. But my money was my guarantee that I'm coming back. For you, baby, you know, you're coming home with me, you know. And so I put that money down and then I worked towards it till one day I was able to bring it home in its full glory. And I still play it, you know, so which is pretty cool. Uh, it's been an amazing guitar for me. But um, it was a guarantee that I wanted this, that it was my down payment. That's what the spirit is in us. It's like a guarantee like that what he's begun in you, he's going to finish it. And, and on this side, I was thinking about this when I was studying this, was on this side of eternity, this is like for the world, for those who don't, who don't know Jesus, it's the best they're ever going to see. For us, it's the worst we're ever going to see. 
But we have a guarantee that in the end, we get to be with him full on. And we have this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit, this helper that teaches us what intimacy with the Lord is and, and is with us, going through it with us and, and, and speaking to us and, and give, empowering us and all these things. It's a guarantee. It's a down payment. It's like a, a promise of what's to come. And you better believe when I put $200 down on that guitar, that guitar I didn't just say, ah, forget it. Just, that's just not worth it. Just leave it. $200 was a lot to me. And it was, it was a down payment of a guarantee that I'm coming back. And I'm going to pay this thing off before that six months, you know, before they take my money and, and the guitar. But that's what's going on there with the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, but listen, verse 23, moreover, I call God as witness against my soul. I mean, you want to hear some strong words? You better believe Paul meant this. And he was a very serious person. Moreover, I call God as my witness against my soul. Meaning if I'm lying, then that's against my soul. I don't think he, that that's something he would do. That, uh, that t- to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Like, you want to keep barking up this tree, guys? Like, I promise you the reason I didn't come was so, because I did not want to do what I was going to. You do not want me here right now. You know? Don't keep egging me on. Don't do it. Like I'm telling you, you're barking up the wrong tree. Don't do this because you guys have been so disrespectful. And and to tell you the truth is going to be harsh. And yet you still come at me in these different ways. This letter was was meant to be like, I want you to know I love you. But if I to meet up in person, it's not going to work well right now. And you know what it's like when you're barking up the wrong tree. And you kind of have to find out the hard way sometimes. And I remember I had a friend, I just told the story to Billy recently. I had a friend who, uh, uh, his dad used to run like not good with good people. And he was gnarly and, and did, you know, hood rat stuff with his friends. But, uh, he was, uh, my friend was boxing all of his friends in high school, feeling all strong, beating everyone. And, uh, just a pretty good boxer, you know? And, uh, and so he, he decided to call his dad out. who was like, you know, 17 years older than him. So like not that old. <laughs> and he's like, come on, old man, let's see, you know, I'm bigger. He's bigger than him and all this and that. And he's like, no, 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 you don't want to do this. You know, I, you know, I like played for real. Like, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. And, and he kind of kept on egging him on and, you know, was like, come on, come on, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. And his dad's like, oh, all right. You're going to have to learn the hard way, I guess, you know? And um, the way the story goes, and it was told by my friend, um, and he has no way to lie, reason to lie about this because it was not a good look for him. He said his dad hit him once, knocked him out cold, and then drug him into the garage. This is a different time, I guess, you know. But uh, and they were boxing, and it's like, you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to do that? All right, I guess it's got to be this way. Love you, son. Dink. Oh, boy. His dad was probably thinking, I, I think I just taught you a lesson. I think I just learned you a lesson. <laughs> I think this is something you're going to remember in the future. That maybe you aren't who you thought you were. And so maybe I can do this for you to anyway. So I kind of was, I was thinking about that. My mind was like, this is like Paul, right? 
Like, please don't make me, don't, please don't do this. I'm coming to you because I love you guys and I have all this grace for you, but you're driving me insane. And yet you, you have the guts to criticize me and to call me out and blah, blah, blah. The reason Paul was calling out the Corinthians was not so he could have some false sense of, of well, I see I'm so much better than you, was because he loved them and he wanted them to see the error of their way so that they could live complete in him. Because So the day and age where we say, don't call sin, don't say anything about sin, don't touch it, it's not your place, you know, only let God do it. If we love someone, we'll tell them they're drinking poison. Right? If you love someone, you'll say, don't drink that poison. Don't do it. Like, and if you can't do that, I will t- take it out of your hands and I will pin you on the ground until somebody else comes and helps and gets rid of this. Like that's, that is like what a friend would do, right? You know, like this is what I am trying to do. I'm trying to stop you from going down this road. Yet, some people still got to drink the poison because you can't watch them forever. So Paul's like, please, I'm pleading with you. He says it a lot. I'm pleading with you. I want you to see it, to understand. Like this is emotionally, it's hurting me because I'm watching someone I love messing up. And it's not good. It's not a good look. And, I, and I'm, in, I'm invested in you. I love you. Don't do this. But if you continue to poke, you want to know. I could tell you the truth. I'm trying to come to you graciously. I don't want to come to you angrily. I want the next visit to be in a, in, a, in a good place. And I want to write this, being able to think this all through, and to come back and encourage you and say, let's go, man. And this is, he ends it really well, verse, verse 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. No control. Once again, that was what a manipulator would do. They would control the situation, right? He says, we don't have dominion over your faith. And that's the hard thing, isn't it? It's like, if I could just control them, I could help them do the right thing. That's not love. That's manipulation. That's overlording. If you, have, if you find someone trying to control your faith, Run. Like, that's between you and God. As much as, like, I would love for you not to do, you know. He says, what, what is our place? We are fellow workers for what? For your joy. Like, I'm here because I want to see you guys get joy. I want you to see you, like, encouraged, and I want to see you grow. For by faith you stand. It, it is between you and God. We're just here to try and help each other along the way. And sometimes help is... And sometimes help is laying hands, praying, loving on, giving food to. And sometimes it's, dude, I'm going to knock you out of the road before you get hit by a car. But it's all out of that place, coming out of that place of love. Not having dominion over other people's faith, but to, to think of yourself as a fellow worker to try and produce joy in their life, which is joy is only found in intimacy with Jesus. It's beyond happiness. It's it's comes from knowing him. It's a peace that passes understanding. There's a joy that comes in that season. And joy isn't circumstantial to um, things all going well, but having joy in the midst of struggles, joy in the midst of trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials because you know there's something working in your life. You recognize that there's something bigger than my current emotion. 
that God might be taking me through something hard to take me to something better. And the beautiful thing is, is that is all set up by the cross. Where, where, where the opportunity to find something better was found. We couldn't find it without him. There was no other hope besides what Jesus did on the cross. And he doesn't even lord it over us in the sense of like, you, now you must accept this. He says, do whatever you want to do with it. I'm telling you, this is the way of life. But you can make your decision, which is terrifying. We can make a really bad decision. Right? Parents of adult children, I'm sure that's the craziest thing. You're like, okay, do what you're going to do. <laughs> How's this going to go? You've got to make those decisions because it does, it's not a good look when you're like, you have a 40-year-old kid and you're like, oh, now come here. Hold my hand across the street because I can't trust you to cross the street. You know, okay, mom, you know, that's not a good look. We try and help and put it in where we can, but kind of come, have to do it coming alongside. And it's got to be a place where the Lord does it in us, changes us makes us more like him we have communion here this morning kind of everything kind of got started a little late so we're a little bit backed up so i apologize for that but uh um we're going to have a song where we can come before the um the table um this is a thing where where we get to do this in in remembrance of him and remembering the body that was broken his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed for us um and and coming to that realization again it's, it's just like a a gut check to remember who you are and, and whose you are to come back to that place of the cross. So we'll have an opportunity for that as, as we come up. Gabby's going to lead us in a song. Um, but uh, yeah, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your, just your grace for us, your love for us. With him, guiding and directing, but we get to be part of it. We get to have a hand in it. He was the one pulling the trigger and seeing it go through. And that had validation. There's something to that. Some boys need, he needed that. He needed to be part of that. When we go camping, Violet keeps the fire going. Oh, good job, Violet. You know, she threw one. She's like checking it out. What else do we need? She's like looking at the right stick and, and she doesn't. I'm like, okay, let's lay it down in the right spot. She goes, and she throws it, and it all falls over. And you're like, oh, okay, it's in there, sure. And then you kind of pull it back in. We want the wood to be on top of the fire. That would probably be best at this point. But she's part of it, and she's like, I'm the fire girl. That's me. I'll keep it going, you know. Oh, sorry, Mom. I got a duty. I can't eat. The fire looks like it's going out. I better go get put some more wood in it. But that's like... Being part of what's going on. There's obviously a master plan. There's a design. There's someone who's overseeing and, and really making sure it happens. But we get to be part of that. One of the ways that happens is through prayer. So please pray. Pray for God to move in this place, in this ministry. And, and, and pray for one another. That we would all be ministers, missionaries everyone around us because we get the words of eternal life we have the comfort the world doesn't have we have the peace the world doesn't have the mercy the grace all of that and we get the opportunities to use that pray that god would use that if you've been one that's gone through a really troubling and tiresome season one of the beautiful things is that god can use that and you'll find so much joy in that being used will it be hard yes but he'll use it so pray for those opportunities. Man, I've gone through a really rough season. God, 
bring someone into my life that I can use to bless in that season. Let's pray and we'll uh, close in worship. Lord, we are so thankful for your grace and your mercy in our lives. Lord, for your, the fact you never let go.